This is Sean Mandoli, and you're listening to the Hopeland Church Podcast. I hope you encounter God and walk in new levels of freedom as a result of listening to this message. Enjoy. What's going on, everybody? This is part two of Vision and Prayer, Seeing Him and Knowing Him. And so I hope you enjoy are enjoying the service today. I know you guys got the announcements and opportunity to um, to give today in our offering and, and a little bit of worship. And so um, I hope I hope you're enjoying the service today. And so let's jump right into the Word of God. And uh, I'm ready. I'm ready to to teach this. So Father, uh, we thank you for uh, your Word today, and we pray that you speak, that you minister. Uh, that you do what only you can do. And I pray that everybody joining today and listening in, even through our podcast or watching this after um, the actual service, uh, God, I pray that, Lord, your word just ministers, it, it challenges, and it brings hope to people. In the name of Jesus, uh, everybody said amen. All right, so we're going to jump right in. So we're talking about vision and prayer. Obviously, we are now concluding uh, today. Uh, we're concluding our seven-day fast, fasting and prayer. And so obviously, we wanted to kind of focus on prayer in this series and then vision as well uh, because um, vision, having vision um, and insight from God is so important to your life. And, and prayer, um, obviously, is... <laughs> Is, is, is a huge part of walking with God. So vision and prayer. Um, and then we're also kind of touching on our vision as a church, okay? Like the literal vision of this local church, Hopeland Church, is, our vision is this, um, we exist so that you can encounter God, walk in freedom, fulfill God's purpose, and so you can change your world. I'm gonna say it again, this is our vision. This is why Hopeland Church is here. And that is so you can encounter God, walk in freedom, uh, fulfill God's purpose so you can go and change your world. And so uh, that's why we exist. So last week we talked about encounter God in light of um, your walk with God and just the importance of why it's such a high value for us to believe God um, for people to encounter him, experience him, know him, all that good stuff. So today we're going to talk about walking in freedom. Like what does that mean? What does that really mean? And so really, um, it can mean a lot of different things, um, but, but for the sake of the message today, it means to walk with God through your life, okay? So that's our heart, that you wouldn't just encounter God in a moment, but you would walk with him following these moments or encounters, right? That you would walk with him. So, so our walk with God, is just that, it is a walk. Our journey with God is just that, it is a journey. And so we need to learn how to walk with God and what does that mean and, and all that good stuff. So so last week we talked about the Apostle Paul. He encountered God, this is in Acts chapter nine, by the way, I'm not gonna read it. Uh, we read, in, read it yesterday, last week. Um, you can go back and listen to that or watch that, that particular service. But he encountered God and so um, changed everything about his life, changed the whole traject trajectory Okay, and so y'all, much of you that are here and we're here, you know what we're talking about there as far as the encounter God. But, but what happened after, right? Like, 
what happened after an encounter? And so we see in the in the scriptures that every time somebody encountered God, there was this walk that 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 came after it. Like the encounter just preceded this walk with God. It was the beginning of a walk with God. So Paul's encounter with Jesus on his road to Damascus, right? It was the beginning of his walk with God in Christ, okay? And so that's why our vision is encounter God, now walk in freedom, right? The freedom that the Spirit of God gives. That is our prayer for you. That is God's heart for you, that you wouldn't just talk about something he did in the by and by, right? But that you're walking with him today, like in every aspect of your life, in in, in every aspect of your existence, our prayer for you, our heart for you, um, is that you would walk with God from now into eternity, okay? So in the book of Acts, chapter nine, he encounters God. He's told by God to go to Ananias. He's blind for three days and three nights. Ananias lays hands on him. He starts to see, okay? And so he, um, just a couple chapters after that, um, you know, it kind of tells you, and you could see this journey of the Apostle Paul once he encountered God and how his calling was to minister to God's people, to, to be a part of leading and establishing local church community all throughout um, Asia Minor, modern day Turkey, um, you know, modern day Italy, Rome, right? Um, which is Europe, right? Modern day Europe, that area, and even in, in and through, uh, you know, North Africa and um, the, the, you know, Israel and, and the Middle East, like that was kind of the territory God sent this man into. And so his walk was just that. He was establishing relationships with people and discipling them in the ways of God. So that was what he did, okay? And so, but kind of immediately after, I wanna look at this verse here, Acts chapter 11, um, verse 25 to 26. Say this with me, say, walk in freedom, all right? Uh, look at somebody, if you're with anybody right now, just look at them and say, it's time to walk in freedom, okay? And so so let's just look at this kind of this um, immediately after, not too long after his encounter with God, look at the context of what happened here. And we can kind of extract some principle here, okay? So here we go. Acts 11, 25 to 26, here it is. Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul, okay? And so Saul actually at the time, his name's Saul, we say Paul, but his name at this time was Saul. Um, he, just to give you some context here, from the point of his conversion to his first like official, what historians call his first missionary journey. Um, many people don't realize this or know this, but there, there was a, like a 14 year period from his encounter to his really stepping into his calling. Now, there were things that happened in the scripture before within that 14 years, but it was 14 years that actually at that point he began his first missionary journey. So there was this process, this 
you know, he, he, he went away. He was in various places before he really began his first missionary journey. And it's kind of like these quiet years too are in the scripture because it speaks of his encounter. Then it starts talking about Peter. And you're kind of like, where's Paul, right? Where's Paul? What's Paul up to, right? And he does minister and, and preach and share his story. In, in, in Book of Acts, um, it does kind of share these moments. And then, you know, he kind of has to get out of town and let down the wall in a basket because the officials wanted to kill him. Um, and he's like, man, I got to get out of here. So, he, he, you know, he got 14 years before he really begins his calling, or even that what is recorded. So what does that tell you? That, I, you know, obviously God was doing some things in him, working some things in him. He was, at his conversion, highly educated, highly cultured as well, being a Jew, and but then also a, a citizen of Rome, which is like, gives you kind of the societal prestige and power and authority. And he kind of pulled that card at one point. He's like, I'm a Roman citizen. Y'all can't mess with me, right? So, so he, he was already at some place in a, in a lot of practical ways. But God was obviously doing something to this man in the quiet years. And I just want to encourage you today. This isn't in my notes. I just feel in my heart to share this. That, that don't, don't, don't despise the quiet years. Don't despise the years, the times of obscurity. Because I believe God does his greatest work in darkness, in the dark behind closed doors, like David dwelt in a cave before he sat on the throne, right? He was around a bunch of guys that just were in debt, discouraged, and just, you know, they were, they were, they were broke, busted, and disgusted, right? And, that, and, and that's the people that God gave to David. These were his, his the brotherhood, the, the, the men in his life, I mean, at that point were like that. And then, you know, so there was a season of even uh, David's life. Look at anybody in the scripture, the, the, the desert season, the wilderness season. So don't despise those moments. Could you imagine like things are quiet? Who knows what was going on in Paul's life, but his true ministry did not begin for 14 years, 14 years. And so, you know, um, he, he was in the waiting. He was in the delay, obviously. And he even shares this in the, in the letter to the Galatians, Galatians chapter two. I'm not gonna quote this either. This is just in my spirit just to share. We're gonna jump into this here. But this has to do with walking in freedom. It is a journey, it is a walk. And he even told the Galatian church, look man, for 14 years, he even uses that, that, those exact, he says it in his letter to the Galatians, 14 years. I went here, I went here, I went this, it was 14 years later. And so you look at the timeline, his first missionary journey didn't begin until after 14 years. And don't despise in your walk of freedom, you know, don't despise the, the seasons of obscurity. All right, so Acts chapter, we're gonna get to the scripture now, guys. Acts chapter 11, uh, verse 25 to 26. This is after uh, his encounter, right? He's, he's in that quiet season. Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul. Tried to, had to find this guy, right? He's, he's not to be seen, right? He, he's kind of, you know, Barnabas had to seek him out. You know what I'm saying? He wasn't, he couldn't check his social media. Like, what was his last post? You know what I mean? He wasn't, couldn't call him on the phone. You know, couldn't text him. You know, uh, you know couldn't, couldn't, get, couldn't get a geotag on him, right? He had to seek him out. So verse 26, and when he had found him, 
He brought him to Antioch, okay? So it was that for a whole year, they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. So they ministered. So there was a great persecution in Jerusalem. It caused the church to spread out. And one of the places where a move of God began was in Antioch. And, um, and so, which is modern day uh, Syria. And so there was this move of God that happened there and it was the result of persecution. So these leaders go to minister to them. And so this is the thing. This is the principle here I wanted to share here. When it comes to walking in freedom, there are two main things that are requisite to spiritual maturity, okay? Now, I know there's a lot, but, but like two main things we're gonna talk about today, two main things that you see right here in the scripture, two main things we see in the scripture that the, this is part of walking with God. Like these two things you cannot avoid or sidestep. They're, 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 they're there to benefit us, to, to help us to walk in freedom, to walk in the spirit, to live a life and a journey with God. These two things are, 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 are staples. They're, they're pillars in your walk with God. And here they are. We're going to talk about these today. And so uh, number one, it is relationship with people. Okay. So relationship or relationship or belonging. Like this is in God's heart. It's in the plan of God for you is that in your walk with God, it is done in the context of relationship and belonging, okay? So so where do we see this here? So it says after his encounter and, and this time, so it was that for a whole year they assembled. Somebody say relationship. So they were in community here. Like this was, this was how Paul um, experienced his walk with God was in community, okay? So they assembled and with, with the church and they, here it is, they taught a great many people. So they assembled, there was community. They were taught, there was discipleship. So number one, as I said before, I'll repeat it and then I'll say the second one, but this is part of your walk with God. This is, this is it. This is what God has for you. It's what God wants to do in and through you. And it is relationship, okay, and belonging, relationship slash belonging, okay? And the second one is this, is that in your walk with God, in you walking in freedom, what is requisite to my freedom, to my development, to me bearing fruit? It is discipleship or learning, okay? So those are the two. It is relationship and discipleship. It is belonging and it is learning, okay? So we, in God, in his purpose for your life, in your journey with God, it's never one without the other. This is how God does this. This is, this is how we grow in faith. This is how we walk in the spirit. It is both belonging and learning. It is not one or the other. If we just have belonging and there's no discipleship, we are simply a social group and we are not truly being the church. Can I get an amen? If we just have learning and no 
authentic relationship or belonging relationally. We are simply a religious institution that's teaching some type of doctrine, right? So God's remedy to, to the ills of society, to the sin of this world is obviously Christ, his blood and everything, but I mean, in actuality, in your walk with God, what is God's answer? How does God help you? It is gonna be through other people and in relationship with them in Christ and through you being taught the word of God. I know guys, like this is basic, but how many professing believers are islands, isolated, not connected to community and people? You, this is God's method, okay? This is his method. Now, and how many professing believers can identify and they're, 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 they, they like church, they like the social aspect, they like groups, but, but without truly learning and having a personal pursuit to learn the scripture, to know God, you're missing something. Can I get an amen? So here we go. Our journey with God is just that. I said this already, but I'm gonna read my notes. It's a journey, it's a walk. On our journey, what is it that God desires for us? What is it? What, what does he want now? Like after you encounter him, what does he desire? What does he want for you? You know, and so what are the tools he has for us so we can walk in the spirit and walk in freedom? I'm telling you the tools are this. It is discipleship, becoming a disciplined learner, and it is relationship, finding belonging in community that is Christ centered, okay? So after the encounter, what now? So let's look at this here. You can see this in the early church. Okay, we're gonna go back, Acts chapter two, all right? Acts chapter two, verse 40 to 47. Um, as you're turning there, say this with me. Say, I need relationship. And say, I need discipleship. Say it again, say, man, I need to belong and I need to learn, okay? Amen, say it again. Say, I need to learn and I do belong, all right? That's what it is. But look it, I think sometimes, sorry, I'm gonna read this verse, come on, some, some stuff in my heart today for you is I think the church um, kind of errs on the extremes of these at times. You know, you find one church and they're like, man, you know, you can belong before you believe and you you matter and God loves you and, and you know what, it's gonna get better and you know, God's for you and all that's true. Uh, but it, but without teaching the scripture, without being committed to sound doctrine teaching, I mean, it ain't gonna do much for people, right? Or, or we err on the other side where it's just like Bible, scripture, scripture, Bible, and it's just this, you know, and where, where church environment can almost become like a seminar or like a lecture hall. And our spiritual development must go far deeper than our ability to comprehend or, 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 or some sort of intellectual ascent or some sort of natural cognitive understanding of, of the text, right? It's, it's, it's both and. This is relational and this is, and this is scriptural, right? Come on, somebody. Somebody say, man, say, I need to belong and I need to learn, all right? 
Somebody say amen. We need both. I mean, I'm talking to you. Here, let me just talk to you here. This is how you're going to grow. This is how you're going to walk. This is our heart. This is, this is the heart of, of, of my wife and I for people like that. It is both and. It is both and never either or. Can I get an amen? All right, here we go. Let me read this. Acts chapter 2, verse 40 to 47. Now, I'm going to read this, but let me explain. I know, I know I'm kind of, I'm taking a long time to get to the scripture because maybe I just want to just kind of share my heart with this, okay, if that's all right. Um, but I'll get here. I'll get to Acts 2, but let me explain here. So think about this, right? Like Jesus, right, is raised from the dead. He's like, yo, go. He didn't say yo, but you get what I'm saying. He said, go to Jerusalem, right, until you're in due with power from on high 50, 50 days later, Pentecost 50, Pente. 50 days after the day of Pentecost, the, fir- the feast of, 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 of um, weeks or the feast of first fruits, right? So the, the harvest feast in, in, the, in the Semitic culture, right? So at that point in their feast of harvest, the Holy Spirit comes. They, 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 the, on them is divided tongues as a fire and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance and people thought they were drunk. And they weren't. They're like, it's the middle of the day. We're not drunk. Power of God. Somebody say, somebody say, encounter from God, right? Somebody say, encounter with God, right? So that's what happened. But what happened after? What happened after that encounter? So here we go. Acts chapter 2, verse 40, okay? Acts chapter 2, verse 40 to verse 47. Acts chapter 2, verse 40 to 47, verse 40. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, here it is, this is Peter preaching, be saved from this perverse generation. Look at your neighbor and say, be saved from this perverse generation. Verse 41, then those who gladly received his word were baptized. Somebody say encounter with God. All right, somebody say encounter God. They encountered God, okay? They got baptized. Hallelujah. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Hallelujah. Verse 42. Here it is. Here it is. Somebody say walk in freedom. Somebody say encounter God and now walk in freedom. Say it again. Say encounter God. Now let's walk in freedom. Right? Verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine. Somebody say I need to learn. They continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine or the apostles teaching. And fellowship, relationship, community, connection. There it is. That's what the early church did after the day of Pentecost. They continued steadfastly in Bible teaching and community or in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. In the breaking of bread, somebody say food. And the breaking of bread and in prayers. So look at that, right in the middle, breaking of bread, food and prayers. I mean, it was it was spiritual, but it was relational. It was scriptural and it was very much practical rhythm of life. They did life together, but it wasn't just hanging out, doing life together, right? There was this standard of biblical teaching in the early church. Verse 43, then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Somebody say signs and wonders. Somebody say miracles. Somebody say supernatural. That's what was happening. That's what my Bible says. 
That's what we can believe for. Verse 44, now all who believed were together. Somebody say community. And had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. Verse 46, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added, in, added to the church daily those who were being saved. There it is. There it is. This is what our walk with God is like. This is what it is. This is what it is. It is, it is belonging and it is learning. It is relationship and it is discipleship. The word fellowship in the Greek, pretty popular word in the Greek. We hear it a lot. Um, koinonia. It means spiritual fellowship though. Okay? It's a spiritual connection. In the kingdom of God, relationship is relationship. And we, we know what that is. We know what that is. You know what it's like when you can connect with somebody and you're like, man, you walk away from them. Maybe you had coffee with them. Maybe they, they hung out. Maybe they came over your house. Maybe you just, whatever. And you walk away and you're like, man, that was, I, I mean, that person, I love that person. I, I appreciate that person. You walk away and you're just like, oh man, that was amazing, right? Like, you, relationship. But, but we got to understand, though, in, in the scripture, um, the type of relationship we really need is that which is spiritual, that which is Christ-focused, um, that which is in the spirit, right? So it, that's what this word fellowship means. It's very much a biblical word. It's spiritual Fellowship, it is fellowship in the spirit. It's communion, community, all right? But there's something that is transferred, if you will, spiritually. Um, it's not just, uh, you can't just have some type of fun, but the spirit of that relationship is Christ. It is the spirit of God involved, and there is a connection spiritually to that person. That's the type of, of relationship they were talking about here. So let's also look, let's look at this in respect to belonging. So Ephesians chapter two, verse 19 to 22. I'm gonna read this. In, the, in the Ephesians, in Ephesians, it's talking about, um, and we kind of studied Ephesians this past summer, but um, it's talking about just a multi-ethnic community. And so he's writing to both Jews and Gentiles and he's saying, man, we're all family now, basically. Like the first three chapters of Ephesians is about a multi-ethnic family in God, okay? That's literally what this book, one of the main themes of Ephesians. So you see it here in Ephesians 2, verse 19 to 22. Now check this out. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners. Somebody say, I belong but fellow citizens with, with the saints. Somebody say, I belong. And members of the household of God. Somebody say, I belong. Say it again, say I belong, right? Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building, what is he saying there? Jew and Gentile. Okay, being fitted together. Somebody say community. Grows, grows into a holy temple in the Lord 
in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. Hallelujah. Once again, I'm going to read that verse 19 again. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. Hallelujah. I'm going to read it again. Check this out. This is talking about how do we walk in freedom? How do we grow in our faith? How do I walk with God in and through this? I'm telling you, it's going to be in the context of relationship. Ephesians 2.19. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners but fellow citizens with the saints, members of the household of God. I'm telling you, that's some good news. Actually, Ephesians starts with, in Ephesians chapter one, it says, you are accepted in the beloved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is our father. We are his sons and daughters. We are members of the household of God. Okay. All right. I'm just going to give you three quick things. What, 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 are, what are some things that, are, that you, you could say as like a, um, as a gauge of what is in a healthy relationship, like a healthy relationship in Christ and in God? What, what does that look like? And I know there's a lot to it. There can, we can say all kinds of things, but these are the three that um, I just want to give you here. But this is healthy relationship has these three things. Um, in respect to you walking in freedom, it is... There is always going to be encouragement. Like it's going to be encouraging. It, it, it'll, it'll encourage you in your faith. It won't discourage you in your faith. It won't bring you down. It will bring encouragement. Number two is that it's a safe place. So it, it's you can be vulnerable. Okay, vulnerable meaning open. You can talk. You can you can share. You can say. You know, this is what I'm dealing with. This is what I'm going through. And you know that that person is going to pray for you and cover you and help you. So there's always encouragement. And there is a healthy vulnerability that we can truly connect authentically. Take the mask off. Somebody say amen. And the last thing I want to share with this, healthy relationships. What, what, the place where we belong in Christ. This is all going to help us in our walk. Is There's accountability. There, there's accountability. Accountability is relational. It's, it's, it's that we hold each other accountable for what God is leading each of us to do. We need people for accountability. I don't mean accountability like, did you sin last night? What'd you do? Like, I'm not talking about some weird religious controlling relationship. I'm just saying that there is this um, willing and willful vulnerability that goes both ways and in that it produces a healthy accountability. I need people in my life. I need people. I need people to know me. I need people to know about me, what is going on. I don't need fans. I don't need, you know what I'm saying? Yes, people, I need authentic relationship. If I want to walk in freedom, it's going to require that there's accountability. I need it. I'm a human being. I, I get tempted. I fall short of the glory of God, just like everybody else. And so we need one another. Okay. We need one another. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. All right. And so here we go. And I know I already said this, but in respect to walking freedom, there is 
discipleship, right? And learning, or discipleship is learning. Discipleship means disciplined learner, okay? And so here it is. I'm going to read this verse. Uh, 1 Peter 2, verse 1 to 3. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes, here it is, desire the pure milk of the word. Okay? This is speaking of an individual's desire for the word, learning. Desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. So, in and after your encounter with God, we, we must cultivate a desire, a desire to absorb, study, meditate on the truths in the word of God. So it, with respect to discipleship, this, this scripture really speaks of a personal pursuit. This is where it is on me to desire. It is on me to pursue. This is where I think we sometimes miss it. Um, some, not, not everybody, but I'm just kind of using it as an example at times, just being a, a pastor for some time, right? Um, and experiencing this with people in church is like, we've tried to disciple people that have no desire, all right? And this is where true spiritual growth and growing and walking in freedom is where God puts the responsibility in the hand of the individual, right? I heard a preacher say one time, pursuit is the proof of desire. So if you see a pursuit, that tells you there's a desire and that's coming from within. Now, it doesn't mean we always feel like reading our Bible or feel like praying or even feel like gathering in community and worship or feel like serving in church or, you know, of course, our feelings are just that. They are feelings and they are all over the place, right? But at the end of the day, after the dust settles, after you get through your emotional moment, is there a desire, right, of the pure milk of the word that you might grow thereby? So this is where it, like, this is where learning is very much on the individual to take a step. Can I get an amen? There's been times as a pastor, like, man, sometimes it's like, man, sometimes I feel like, not just a pastor, but maybe even a friend to people, that, and I'm sure you may have experienced this in some context, that it's like that you want for somebody more than they're willing to do the work themselves. Somebody say amen. Or you want for them more than they want for themselves. And that doesn't change our love for them. That doesn't change that we're there for them. But that may change the context of that relationship. Right? It might, it might just change the context and approach because we can't control people. We can't make people. Hallelujah. We don't, we're not trying to burn our, 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 all of our energy and life in a pursuit of trying to develop and mature somebody when they're just not there. 
So how do I just love them, care for them? But if the pursuit isn't there, they won't grow. Can I get an amen? It says desire the pure milk of the word. That why, why, why that you may grow. And he's like, if indeed you've tasted that the Lord is good or gracious, maybe, maybe if the desire's not there, maybe they hadn't tasted yet, right? I, I've, I've had a plate of food in front of me and I'm like, man, I don't, I don't eat this, right? But, but if we've tasted him, that is the beginning of desire. And when desire is there, I'm telling you, you're gonna grow. You're gonna grow. You're gonna grow. So Galatians 5, 16, let me read this. Galatians 5, 16, I say then, walk in the spirit. In Galatians, it, it kind of, it also says this in, in Romans, right? If you walk in the spirit, right? You know, there is therefore now no condemnation in Christ to them that walk in the spirit, right? So in here in Galatians, sorry, in Romans, it says that. But here in Galatians 5, 16, it says, I say then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Right here in Galatians, the apostle Paul is putting the, the, the responsibility in the hands of those believers. It says, hey guys, if, if you want to, if, if you want to overcome your flesh, then, then you're going you're gonna to have to get up and walk. Walk. Walk in freedom. Somebody say walk in freedom. All right. And so, so what are some other ways? What are some ways? And I know this is basic, guys, but I, I pray this ministers to you no matter how long you've been saved or whatever. But, but what falls under this category, right, of personal, personal pursuit? Of God, what what is what what is what does that look like? What is what practically does a personal personal desire for God look like? A personal pursuit. Now, look, I said if you want to walk, we're going to walk in freedom. We're going to mature. We're going to grow. We're going to bear fruit. We're going to be fruit bearing Christians. What's that look like? Relationship, belonging, and discipleship, learning. So, how do I learn as an individual? Just me, Sean, on a Monday. How does Sean learn? What what does it look like? And here it is. Personal pursuit of God looks like this. That there is personal prayer. Okay? That, that, that you pray personally. There is personal Bible study. Personal um, Bible reading. Personal scripture memorization. Personal uh, uh, meditating on the word. Okay? Also, here it is. Personal um, private worship. Okay, so prayer, Bible study, and worship. Personal, personal, in the rhythm of your life. If we're gonna grow, like, you know, the Bible says here, we just read it in Peter, right? That 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 desire the pure milk, the pure milk of the word that you might grow. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And so that's personal. And then there's also in that too, it's not on the list, but I'll say this, like in my personal pursuit of Christ is a responsibility to the relational aspect of my walk with God, the, the community, right? That, 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 you know, Hebrews says, don't forsake the assembling together of yourselves. I'm telling you, we as humans, individuals, like we need the body, like in a real way, like every joint supplies, every part does its share. The hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. 
I mean, we need, need one another. I'm not talking about codependency. I'm talking about interdependence. I'm talking about fitly just joined together that I receive from others and others receive from me. It is the Christ in me they need. It is the Christ in them I need, right? So this is mutual. This is, we are the body. And so not only our personal pursuit, I believe in our personal pursuit, it's gonna make that community aspect so much better. And the community aspect of receiving from others is gonna make my private personal pursuit of God better. Can I get an amen? All right, so here we go. So let, I just wanna talk about gathering here shortly, just a couple minutes. But in 1 Corinthians 14, 26, it's talking about them gathering. Now look at this, look what happens when we gather. Look, look at the spiritual dynamic of gathering with God's people. Look at this. 1 Corinthians 14, 26. How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a song, has a teaching, each of you has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation? Come on, you're missing out on revelation, interpretation, a tongue, a teaching, a song when you don't gather with other Believers, I'm telling you, you got to get around believers because they have something you need in Christ. And then it says here, let all things be done for what? Edification, edification. It's where you get the word edifice or building. It's how we are built up, right? We're built up privately in our personal pursuit of Jesus, but we are built up in community in our collective pursuit of Jesus. Hallelujah, all right? Thank you, Lord. Look at this. Here's another one real quick, and then we're going to pray. 1 Corinthians 14, 31. Okay, 14, 31, just a few verses down. For you can all prophesy one by one. So he's talking about the gathering. He's talking about that's where you can receive a word from somebody, even if it's just an encouraging word. It doesn't have to be super spiritual. Yeah, yeah, my little lambs, the Lord says unto thee. And people speaking in King James, it don't have to be like that. But it's just, for you can all prophesy one by one, that all, here it is, may learn and all may be encouraged. This is what walking in freedom is. It happens in the context of the gathering. There's a spiritual dynamic, a spiritual transfer, an impartation to and from one another in Christ when we gather. I'm telling you, church, in your walk with God, in your walk with God, it is both relationship and belonging, and it is discipleship and learning. I hope you enjoyed the message, and my prayer is that you will change your world as a result. If you're ever in the LA area, join us for one of our weekend gatherings, and don't forget to follow us on social media. Peace!